On October the 31st, 1517, Martin Luther posted 95 big questions which he believed faced the church of his day to a local church door in Wittenberg, Germany. 500 years later, I decided to post 95 new questions, one a week, to the web, questions which I believe the church must face in the 21st century. Question 85. Would a God of love choose to condemn anyone to everlasting punishment? Astonishing numbers of people have been taught that while Christians will be saved, especially those who refer to themselves as born again, the rest of humanity will end up spending eternity in the torment of God's torture chamber, hell. And more than that, they've been informed, this is simply what the Bible teaches, a central truth of the Christian faith which to reject amounts to heresy. But here's the thing, I'm convinced that this is not what the Bible teaches, and more than that, that this depressing, deadly and misguided notion has left our culture deaf to the real heart of Jesus' teaching, that of love, forgiveness and the pathway to well-being and hope, the very message that our society and the whole world so desperately longs to hear. Now, there will be, of course, those who accuse me of arrogance. What right have you got to overturn 2,000 years of church teaching, they'll ask. But, first of all, the doom-laden vision of the afterlife is not based on 2,000 years of church history. Instead, as we saw in Chalk Talk 84, it represents a toxic mix of medieval Catholic imagery plus 500 years of post-Reformation Protestant teaching that strangely chose to retain it all. But secondly, what most Westerners don't realise is that to this very day, the idea of eternal damnation belongs almost exclusively to the church in the West. Whereas for the Orthodox Church, the eastern half of the church, the focus was never on hell and its gruesome details of endless agony somehow inflicted by a loving God. Instead, its centre is Christ and the genuine salvation he brings to all, everyone, through what it refers to as the harrowing of hell. Based on Christ's journey into the underworld, alluded to in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 19 and 20, which speak of Jesus preaching to the imprisoned spirits, the heroine of hell is the story of the triumphant descent of Christ into the realm of the dead between the time of his crucifixion and his resurrection. And this, of course, is exactly what's described in the Apostles' Creed, one of the earliest Christian creeds, which is still recognised by the whole church around the world. It tells us famously that Jesus Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried, and that he then descended to the dead, or in some versions, that he descended into hell, before adding, on the third day, he rose again. Orthodox icons and artwork of Christ's resurrection and judgment consistently tell this story. Look some up on Google. Christ always stands over the broken gates of hell in triumph, trampling Satan underfoot 
and offering an outstretched arm to rescue Adam and Eve. Here you'll find no scenes or depictions of terror or of torture at all. The Eastern Church teaches that following his death, Christ has closed hell. He's emptied it. He stands on its fallen gates and brings those trapped within it into salvation. Which is why, as Paul explains in his letter to the church in Colossae, chapter 2, verse 15, Christ has disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So, listen to the way that the Eastern Church leaders of the early centuries speak of the impact of Jesus' death. For instance, Didymus, known as Didymus the Blind, the dean of the theological school at Alexandria, Egypt, which was arguably the most important theological centre of the Christian faith prior to the rise of the Imperial Roman Catholic Church, declared, in the liberation of all, no one remains captive. At the time of the Lord's Passion, the devil alone was injured by losing all of the captives, all of the captives he was keeping. Equally, John Chrysostom, the Archbishop of Constantinople, wrote, while the devil imagined that he got hold of Christ, he really lost all of those he was keeping. And Jerome, that famous translator of the Bible from Greek into Latin, which became known as the Vulgate, was equally clear. Our Lord descends and was shut up in the eternal bars in order that he might set all who had been shut up free. This stunning Eastern picture of the emptying of hell by Christ as an expression of the extraordinary love of God for every single one of us stands in such stark contrast to the condemnatory Western medieval Roman Catholic picture of God as a torturing tyrant. But, as I said last time, none of this is a matter of dry theological dispute or intellectual debate. Instead, on it hangs the mental health and the well-being of countless millions of people We'll explore all of this more in coming weeks, but for this week, to finish with, two important questions. First, why would a God, who's defined as love, choose to condemn anyone to everlasting torture and punishment? And if this were the case, would that make this God morally superior to or less than us? I explore this issue more deeply, as well as many others raised by the Apostle Paul's writing in my new book, The Lost Message of Paul. You can purchase your paperback copy today from openchurch.network slash lostmessageofpaul or from any good bookshop. An e-book and an audio book are also available from Amazon as well as from other online retailers.